Grace Revolution, lesson number 10. Enjoy. Alright. Uh, let's pray. Daddy God, thank you once again for the beauty of your simplicity, of uh, the fact that uh, you're a good God, and that is not complicated. It's just light or darkness, life or death, uh, good or bad, and you have decided to put everything on your side as good. And we thank you for it, Lord. Thank you. Help me tonight, Lord, and help us to, to receive the, the core of uh, what is important, and to really be nourished and fed by your word. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Tonight, um, it's, uh, it's going to be uh, kind of uh, uh, different a little bit because I'm going to, I'm going to tackle um, um, a subject that, is, uh, uh, that I have never spoken on in my life, I guess, and... Uh, and uh, but then uh, shortly, and then we go to we go to we'll do a bit of a recapping, and we have uh, a time of questions. If there's anything that uh, we need to rehash or things like that. Tonight I'm going to talk about the Antichrist. <laughs> Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? <laughs> and uh, like I said, it's something I never done in my life. But suddenly I started I started looking at this. I heard someone talking about. The, this Antichrist, and I started trying to figure out if Christ is grace, then wouldn't the Antichrist be the spirit of against grace? And I started checking, and I realized that the Antichrist is actually not a man, uh, according to the, to the scripture. Um, I've, I've realized that, uh, yes, there's a man of perdition, Yes, there are false prophets. Yes, there's the there's the um, the whole revelation trip with the six 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 and everything. But the, but the spirit of the antichrist is is a spirit. It's not a man. And so uh, let me let me read you a couple of a couple of scriptures and then we then we we tackle it uh, um, a little bit more in depth because. Um, um, I want, to, I want to tackle this again, going back to grace, obviously, and seeing what we can understand from the spirit that is anti-grace. And what we can uh, um, draw from, uh, from what uh, John says in his letter, because that's where the, the word anti-Christ comes from. It comes from the, from the letter of John. First letter of John, the, the John the Apostle, and we're looking at chapter 2 and, and verses uh, uh, 18 through 23. And this is what John says. Now, first of all, let me tell you something. Let me, let me just clarify something. We, um, as, as Protestants, as uh, 
um, Pentecostals, Charismatics, uh, uh, non-Catholics, let's say, right? We have a tendency to behave like Catholics with a certain scripture in this little letter, which is the only one in this theme that says, uh, if we confess, bless you, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, is to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Okay? Isn't that, isn't that the verse of Scripture that we use when we sin as Protestants? When we sin, we go to that one and we say, yeah, but if we confess, He forgives us. Now, doesn't that fly in the face of grace? So, so I looked at this thing and I thought, that there must be something different. There must be something else. It, it can't be... The John, the apostle of love, the apostle of grace, the one that said uh, in, in, in the first chapter of his, of his gospel that uh, Jesus came full of grace and full of truth and grace upon grace upon grace. So I'm thinking, what, what is he trying to say? And I've, and I've done a little bit of studying, and it's interesting that what he was talking about, what we, and again, this is something that we have appropriated without understanding that John is not talking to us. Now, how can I say that? I can say that because he says, um, This is the message that we heard from, uh, from him and declared to you that God is light and in him there is no dark, not darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in dark, darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. Now, what do we say? Immediately we take this and we think, ah, you see, now these are Christians, they walk in darkness. Now watch. He says, uh, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. I thought that had happened. If he's talking to Christians, then that should have happened already. Then the blood of Jesus Christ. I mean, we're not even talking about once forgiven, always forgiven. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the, the basics of Christianity. The blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed us from sin. Right? So who is he talking to? Watch. He says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive. Now, again, uh, we take that scripture and we think, we apply it to us. And we say, okay, in other words, it means that... Uh, I don't admit that I am actually sinning. But if you think about it, any Christian that calls himself a Christian will admit that yes, we are forgiven, yes, we are cleansed, yes, we are purified, yes, we are sanctified, yes, we are perfect in Christ, yes, we are, but we still sin every day. If you, if, you, if you know the gospel, you understand that that's the, that's the fact. And that's why the sin has been nailed to the cross. So what is he talking about? Well, I've done a little study, and, I, and, and, and it just so happens that what John was doing, he was talking to a group of people that uh, um, grew out of uh, Judaism in the first and second century called the Gnostics. The Gnostics believed that you have no sin. They believed that God was not involved in the affairs of men. They believed that God was out there somewhere. And that the only way that you could attain salvation was through knowledge. That's why Gnostic means uh, from Ginosko, which means knowledge. So 
And that nothing much has changed because if you take their message and you bring it into the 21st century, what you have is the humanists that will tell you that you ob ob obtain salvation through what? Through knowledge. Knowledge will, knowledge will free you from all the problems and everything. So I, I was looking at this and, uh, and I thought, wait a minute, the, the, John is not talking to Christians. John is talking to this bunch of people that say, we have no sin. And then he says, if we say that we have no sin, so in other words, he's talking to these people, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And then he says, if we confess our sins. No, so this is now the point of salvation for these people. He says to them, he says, if you understand that you have sin, then he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Our is, is added to, to forgive us sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So there you go. So if you believe that you have been cleansed from all unrighteousness, this does not ap apply to you. Which tells me, watch it before you read and you apply something to your life because you put yourself in bondage. Remember what I told you about the, the, the Lord's Prayer? And I mean, we've done that for centuries. We said, Father, forgive us as we forgive others. And all of a sudden we realize that, no, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, no, 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 don't do that. See, and I go back to, I don't remember the psalm, I think it's 116, but there's a psalm that I have seen years ago where David says, judge me not according to your justice, but judge me according to your chesed, to your mercy, to your grace. So already then, and you remember when we spoke of David, we spoke of a man who needed grace, right? Already then, David understood, don't, when he spoke to his God, he said, don't judge me according to your righteousness, according to your justice, because you're going to blow me away. You're going to fry me like a crisp. I've got, I've got no leg to stand on. It's just not on. It doesn't matter who you are. But judge me according to your mercy. And so you see, we need to understand that... You remember I gave you the example of the light, the match, the candle, the, 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 the light bulb. Did I? Or did not? I didn't. Uh, then I did, it, I did it in the video series. Okay, sorry. <laughs> but um, uh, take, a, take a match, a candle, uh, a light, a, a torch, um, the, 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 the beams of a, of a, of a motor car, um, an Auschwitz uh, anti-aircraft projector, light, uh, the, the things of the discos. The, the, okay, what do they have in common? There's only one thing that they have in common. They all, make, they all produce light. And the light is the same. The, the amount is different. The source comes in a different format. The, 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 the output is different, whatever you want. But the light as such, it's the same. Be it a match, or be it one of these huge, humongous beams that go from here to Cape Town. Same thing. The light is the same thing. And this is what I was, I was talking about, the different versions of the Bible. See, people, which one is the right one? Is King James? Is the message? Is this and that? It's not the book. It's a light inside the book. And that is what we need to look for. We need to look for the light. In other words, that scripture, 
just go and just ask when you re when you read the Bible, just speak to the Lord and say, "Would you turn on the light, please?" Because not every scripture belongs to you, and you need to get that light. And again, the example is all the scriptures in the Old Testament, all the scriptures in the Gospels. When Jesus spoke to Israel, and when he speaks, for instance, to the to the to the rich young ruler. And he says, uh, uh, how do I, what must I do to obtain eternal life? And we just, for some reason, we just fly right over it. And we, we see what Jesus says. And we, we don't even notice that he's not talking to me. Because he's saying, keep the commandments. Now, no Protestant that calls himself... Protestant will ever believe that in order to be saved you must keep the commandments even though in the background yes it is uh, most of them most of them tell you yes you, you, you saved by grace through faith alone Martin Luther sola scriptura the only word sola grazia the only grace and sola um, and sola uh, fede and only, only faith. So Martin Luther started with the only way to be saved is through grace, through faith, by grace, through faith. So right in the beginning, right in the beginning of the, of the Reformation, of the Protestant Reformation, you had a man who understood what salvation was all about. And that's why the first thing that he did is stop being a celibate and he married a couple of women. No, not a couple, one <laughs> But he, he was an interesting, he was an interesting character because when you when you swing from uh, from <laughs> from being a, a, a priest, a monk, and all of a sudden you realize that God says, "Hey, it's okay, it's cool. You really, you know, you really don't." Yeah, but I do. Can I tell you a story? Can I tell you? Can I tell you a story? Uh, you know, when the Pope gets to heaven, he goes to Peter and he says, he says. Peter, can I, can I read the original scriptures, please? And Peter said, yeah, yeah sure. You, you, you want to read them? Yeah, I want to read, read the original scriptures. So, so he so sends him over to this room with all these big uh, uh, rolls of uh, papyrus and everything. So he goes in there and stuff, and Peter walks around, and all of a sudden he hears the scream, Aah! Peter runs into the room and he sees the Pope is pulling his hair. He says, what are you doing? It says celebrate, not celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> Shame. <laughs> okay, so. So you see, so what we do is, uh, the, the, the reason why I keep on saying this is because I'm, I'm begging you to, like Paul did with the Romans, I beg you by the mercies of God to understand that just because it's written in the Bible is not necessarily written to you. Now move away from what most preachers say. If it's in here, it's speaking to me. Every word, every letter, literally taken, everything, every, no, it's not. Understand, it's not. This year, 
is not speaking to you because he says, if we say that we have no sin, that is the characteristics of the Gnostics of those days. And he was addressing them, most probably in an evangelical way, talking to them and telling them, don't say that you don't have sin, because you do. And if you want to be saved, all you have to do is confess your sins, ask him to forgive you, and he will cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Okay, so, what was I saying? 2.18, I think. Yes, okay. Uh, little children, it is the last hour, and as you've heard, that the Antichrist is coming even now. Many Antichrists have come. Um, it is the last hour, and as you've heard, that the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come, but which we know that it is the last hour. Okay, so obviously, uh, John was living in a time when uh, the last hour means the last uh, era. So he was either talking about having entered into the last days according to the New Testament being the last part of Scripture, or he was honestly thinking that, uh, that the return of Christ was going to be imminent. But whichever way, we know that 2,000 years have gone by and we're still here. So uh, the last hour, that's another proof. Don't, don't draw literal conclusions out of the book. Let the book shine the light on you. Because that is what you need. You need the light of the, of the gospel. And, sorry, brackets. Verse 1, that which was from the beginning, which we've heard, which we've seen with our eyes, which have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the, the word of God, word of life. The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may fellowship with us and truly fellowship. And somewhere along the line, yeah, yeah. The, and these things we write to you that your joy may be full. This is the message which we've heard from him and declare to you that God is light. That God is light. So now, all of a sudden, if this book contains God, the Spirit of God, and we all know it does, right? Because this book speaks to us. It's not a dead book. It's a, it's a, a dead book. It's you read the Word, and that's what the Word says. This book, you can read that Word ten times, and the eleventh time, he says something to you. And if then we need to draw that light. And I, and I honestly believe that God made it like a, almost like, a, uh, like um, uh, Harrison Ford and, uh, and uh, the ark. What's, what's, what was that thing? The Raiders of the The Raiders of the Okay, that when you, when you open the, uh, and the light came out, you know. I honestly believe that it didn't make it easy, that you got to dig. And I mean, I got scripture to back that up, but we ain't got time tonight. But he didn't make it easy so that everybody could just read and get. You need to ask him to talk to you. And it's only when you ask him to talk to you, he will talk to you personally. Otherwise, you're reading a book. 
Okay? So, it says here, even now many antichrists have come, but which we know that it is the last hour. Now watch what he's talking about. They went out from us, but they were not of us. So these are people. These are people already then that were subject to a spirit of antichristism, whatever. <laughs> of the spirit of the antichrist. And he says, they, they, they've gone out from us, but they went from us. Uh, they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. And again, this is such a beautiful thing. Why? Because you have the translator inside of you. See, and that, that what links the source of light that's in here, it's in here. So it links one and the other, and, and that's what you need to look for. You need to look that, that you need to look you need to look for that connection between the light in the book and the light in your heart. And only then, and only then will you receive the right stuff. Otherwise, I'm going to talk to you about the spirit of the Antichrist right now. Yeah. Uh, but you have an anointing. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and no lies of the truth. Who is a liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. And this is where I, uh, this is where I want to stop. He is the Antichrist. There, there are other scriptures that, uh, where he speaks of the Antichrist. But basically, the whole thing is based on the spirit of the Antichrist denies the Father and denies the Son. So I looked at this thing and I said, if the Father is the spiritual being, because the Bible says no one has seen the Father, the Father is the Spirit, and, and the Son is the physical being, right? Jesus Christ, right? So now you have two entities that the spirit of the Antichrist, or the spirit of the anti-grace, or the spirit of anti-light, anti-life, anti-God, denies. So he either denies the spirituality of God, or denies the humanity of God. And so you have these two extremes. In those days, they were called Gnostics. Nothing has changed. Today is the same thing. You have a group that will deny the existence of of a spiritual God, and you will, uh, you've got another group that will deny the existence of a human Christ. And grace is the thing that takes the two and puts them together in a magnificent balance where you don't go around saying, I'm a spirit, I'm a spirit, everybody gets healed, come here, I heal you, and I heal you, and I heal you, and I heal you, and then, uh, then I speak in tongues when I go to the shop, and then I speak in tongues when I put the petrol in, and they, they, you have, you have this group of people, and sadly I used to be part of them, <laughs> when, when, um, you know, when, when you, when you work in inverted, in inverted commas, in that kind of 
environment, everything is hooked to the spiritual side of it. Everything becomes spiritual. To the point where you want to grab the people and shake them and say, Hey, not everybody is healed. Do you understand that? Not everybody is going to heaven. Do you understand that? Not if some prayers don't get answered. Now, I don't know why, and I don't start from that point of view, and I don't like it as much as you don't. But not everything is spiritual. Not everything is because it's written in the book. It's right. And then over on the other side, you got the ones that put everything away from the spirit and they put it in the flesh. So, and already in those days, you had two groups of people. You remember the Sadducees and the Pharisees? Well, the Pharisees were the legalistic ones. The Sadducees were the ones that didn't believe in angels, didn't believe in uh, resurrection from the dead. They just didn't believe. So they were all the physical. So they denied the father and the Pharisees denied the son. And these two extremes, and, and I try to make sense. It's, I just got it this afternoon, so I don't know if I'm making any sense. But there are two extremes that have got nothing to do with grace. Grace doesn't say we have no sin. Grace says, God, my Father, has forgiven me of my sin. Grace doesn't deny the fact that you have struggled in this world. And that doesn't say that if you have enough faith, you'll get away with anything. That is what this one group, the spiritual group, say if you have enough faith, you can do anything you want. And, and again, I have to confess that I was part of that. I, I was uh, coming, out of, um, coming out of Rema Johannesburg. I mean, nothing is impossible. And we did in, impossible things. But you know what? You look back and you think, okay, wait a minute. Why didn't that happen? You remember Norman Venn? Who remembers Norman yes. Venn? You remember Norman Venn? You remember Norman, eh? Yeah. You remember his wife? Yeah. She was a magnificent person. Maureen, was it? She was a magnificent person. She was a prayer warrior. She was... She was everything that you can dream of in a spiritual person. Bang! Off she went. And you think, okay, now... See, if you deny the Father, you deny the spiritual possibility of healing, which is way, way, way more than real. I've seen healings... Greg can talk about healings. I'm sure everybody, everyone here can talk about it. But if you deny the sun, now all of a sudden everything is spiritual and everybody gets saved. Everybody gets healed. And with all due respect, not everybody gets healed. And what is the answer to that of the people that deny the sun, so the whole spirit, father and everything? You don't have enough faith. And that is the condemnation that comes from the spirit of the Antichrist, the spirit of the anti-grace. 
And I'm not talking about um, branches of the church. You remember last time, uh, I think it was last week, we spoke about the church that Jesus has destroyed all the 30,000 denominations and he's drawn a line right in the middle and he said, okay, I'll tell you what, you're either for us or against us. So in the for us, you have the Catholics, you have the Methodists, you have the, the Presbyterians, you have the Schofarians, you have the Bosconians, you have, the, 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 you have everybody that is for us. Now, how do you understand that you're part of the church? You're a son of God. Only children of God are part of the church. Yeah, but they pray to Mother Mary. If he's a son, he's for Jesus. And he's part of the church. So what I'm trying to say is that you don't belong to the church because you don't do the certain thing over here. You belong to the church because the blood of Christ is inside your veins. And you can do all sorts of stupid things. But if you're a son, you're a son. You might be a stupid son, but you're a son. And we all know how many stupid sons are out there. And forgive me the word stupid, but the people that say, I don't know. And then you got the other ones that dance with the, with the, with the shawl, with the prayer shawl, and the, and the little Hebrew skull and everything. And everybody does their own thing. And I think, are they right? Are they wrong? Who cares? They sons. If they sons, they're part of the church. They behave different from me. And then we spoke about, do you like Chinese? Because basically the church serves food, like a restaurant. If you don't like the way that this particular church serves the food, go to another, go to another place. But don't talk bad about that one just because you don't like it. There are other people that like it. See? So, you have these two extremes that one denies the spirit and the other one denies the humanity. The Father and the Son. The spirit on the Antichrist, the spirit on the anti-grace is the one that denies the spirit or denies the, the, the humanity. Denies the spirituality or the humanity of Christ. And over here you've got the super spiritual and over here they've got the ones that Jesus doesn't, doesn't really mean anything. Doesn't, doesn't, doesn't. If you deny, if you deny the, spirit, the, the, the Father, then there's nothing in the Spirit. And then everything is based on hard facts. And that is denying grace. Because we all know that you can be faced with terrible circumstances and God intervenes and he changes the circumstances and, 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 and what do you do? you pray, you, you do everything that, everything that you feel in your heart that you ought to do but don't tell me that because you pay your tithe now God's going to bless you because it doesn't happen and I can bring you Examples upon examples upon examples upon examples of beautiful people who went through incredible financial problems and they were very, very faithful in paying their tithes. 
Why? Because all of a sudden we take this thing and we put it into, we deny, we deny the humanity of Christ and we're all over here in the spirituality of the Father. And everything happens because it's written in the book. And over here Jesus is saying, I went to the pool of Bethesda and I healed that paralytic. And Peter says, boss, why didn't you heal him? Or him? Or him? Or him? And you can't even say because they didn't have enough faith. Because that paralytic that Jesus healed at the pool of Bethesda had no faith. In fact, he had an anti-faith. Because he, he doubted that Jesus could do anything for him. So now, how? that's grace. Grace is the thing that says, you know what? Jesus is fully human and he's fully God. And in between this combination of spirit and humanity, spirit and flesh, of, uh, 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 spirituality and humanity, in between there is that God who knows my heart and who knows that this world is fraught and somewhere along the line I have to walk day by day in a world that is loaded with bacteria, with viruses, with people that want to take my money, with, with people that drive... Did you, did you hear about that guy that had a head-on collision on, 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 uh, on Solaris? Apparently he died, burnt, burnt to death. Head-on collision with, with, a, with a taxi. Now you tell me, you drive, and I mean maybe, I don't know, maybe it wasn't the taxi's fault, but usually it is. You, you, you're driving, <laughs> you're driving, uh, you got, you got the Hillsong singing, uh, and I love you, the love, and the music, and oh, oh, in the case of Sam, you got Mario that's preaching from, uh, <laughs> from and, and you, very, you feel very spiritual and everything like that, and this guy comes around the corner, kawak, takes you out. Now you go explain that to me. Apart from grace. Apart from grace that says, my life is in your hands. And I, I, I was so blessed this morning. Uh, 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 Tapelo, you remember Tapelo? Yes. Tapelo came to visit. Yeah, Tapelo came to visit. Tapelo came to visit. Yeah, he, said, he, he says he's... Uh, he says he's really considering to come back because he, he's, he needs the message of grace. He says, and a, says up there, it's so dry. He says, it's, uh, says uh, but I don't know if you know that Tapelo and his wife, Promise, lost a child. She was, uh, she was pregnant last year and the baby died. Two weeks from delivery, he died. And nobody knows... Today I asked him, do they, and, he, and, and he said something so beautiful. He said to me, he said, Babo, he said, all the way from the, from the fact that we needed 45,000 rand for the, for the whole trip because we, we don't have medical aid, and God provided the money to everything that we needed, we saw the hand of God in this trip. And if my boy had to go, he had to go. I submit to what happened as the will of my father who loves me. Now when you get to that level, 
then you understand grace. And then you're free. You're liberated from guilt, from condemnation, from a sense of uh, uh, inadequacy, from anything that the devil can throw at you. Because he said to me, he said, he said, I've seen the hand of God. And people say to me, the devil took your child. And he said, no, 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 no. The devil didn't take my child. My God is bigger than the devil killing my boy. So if my boy went, I don't know why and I don't like it. But you know what? My heart is right before God. My wife's, right, my wife's heart is right before God. We don't have to go and dig why the sin or why the, this or why the that or we didn't have enough faith or this and that. And I said, I'm so proud of you, mm. Tapelo. Because that is the heart of grace. That is the heart of someone that comes out of the ashes and says, you know what? My Father loves me. And my Lord says to me, relax, be still, and know that I'm God. And that is so liberating. It's when you understand that you don't deny the Father or the Son. It's spirit and flesh. It's spirituality and humanity. It's Christ coming down from heaven and taking the form of a man and becoming a man. And so it's fully God and fully man. Do we understand it? No, we don't. But we can say, every day of my life, my God walks with me in the humanity of a planet that is bent against me to kill me. And let me give you a piece of information. Do you know why you're here tonight? You're here tonight because your father loves you. Because if it wasn't for your father protecting you, you don't know how many times an 18-wheeler would have taken you out. And you know why you don't know it? Because it didn't. We only know the things that go bad. And boy, does the devil hammer us with that. We don't know how many times. And guys, just think. Think 9-11. How many people, we've heard, we've heard the stories of people who went to work that morning and realized they left the, something at home. And they turned around and went back home. By the time they looked again, the towers were on fire. And I'm sure that if I ask anybody, we all know in our own lives something that by chance, as we think, didn't happen. And God is there all the time protecting us and stuff doesn't happen because God is real and because God loves us to the point where he will not allow. Why other stuff happens? I don't know. If you do... Please let me know and I'll put it in the video. Mm -hmm. I have got no idea why sometimes. And that's the point where you have to take a step back and say, you know what, not by my, not by power, but by your spirit. I trust you. Whichever way it goes, my heart is right with you. I trust you. How many people that don't deserve, in inverted commas, to be protected and to be saved are protected and saved? 
how many marriages we see that go down the drain in the church while outside the church unbelievers heathen and everything have a, have a very happy marriage if that had to do with the spirituality then you would deny the, the you would deny the son because you 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 can see it it's staring you in the face it's not just Spirit, and I don't know if I'm explaining myself. I hope I am. But it's a difficult concept that I just picked up this afternoon, so I don't know if I... But it's this spirit of the Antichrist that denies one of the two. And it tries to put everything in the, in the field of, uh, spiritually speaking, everything is going to be all right. And if it's not all right, it's because you don't have enough faith. Or because you've sinned. Over here, physically speaking, now nah, you must just do it your way. You know, just pull your own strings, pull, pull your own boat, just find your own solutions. And grace is smack in the middle when he says, you know what? Live a life that trusts the Father and the Son. And allow them to intervene in your life and to guide you and to keep you and to protect you and to carry you. And trust them to do exactly that. And live the best that you can. And leave the rest to them. Amen. And grace, ultimately, again I've done it many times, but it's the thing that makes you go, okay, ah, I can rest. I can rest because I don't have to understand everything. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm over here in the humanity of Christ. I don't have to understand everything. I can be in the Son and not fully understand the Father. And if you think about it, in His humanity, Jesus on the cross, what did He say? Why? Didn't He? Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In the garden of Gethsemane. What did he say? The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that he struggled against sin. And the Greek word there is anti-agonizomai. Agonizomai, you, you can hear, agonize. He agonized against sin. What sin? Not adultery. He wasn't trying to steal anything from Judas. What? The sin of mistrusting God. His father. And that's why he said, you know what? I don't understand. Is there any other way? Is there any other way that can, this cup can pass by me? See, in brackets, you must understand that when, when we see Jesus from, from Gethsemane to the cross, we don't see the divinity of, 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 of Jesus. We don't see the Christ. Check in your Bible. You will see, you never see the word Christ. From Gethsemane to the cross is Jesus. Because he had to, Philippians says that he had to get rid of his divinity to be able to face the trial as a man, as a human being. And that's why as a human being, he said, I don't understand, is there any other way? But nevertheless, 
Not my will, but yours be done. And that's grace. And that's the moment when you say, I'm, I'm not over here where you don't exist, when you can't do anything, when, when, and I'm not over here where you do everything as long as I, you know, click my fingers, you just jump to the, to the thing. I'm not, I'm here in the middle. And I trust you, and I know the stuff happens, and I know that you protect me, and I know that you heal, and I know that you raise the dead, and I know that everything happens. But you know what? If the, if, if, Tapelo, if my boy goes home and you decide not to heal him, I'm okay with that. And that's the moment when you go, <sighs> and how many of us have got children that we, we're fighting and we're trusting God for them. And we need to reach the point where we trust God, we trust His love to be greater than ours. And we need to sit down and say, my duty is to love, accept, and yes, discipline, if, if they're small enough, you know, guide and, 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 and lead and everything. But my duty is not to change them. Because let me give you a piece of information. You can't. You can pray. You can fast until you look like an anorexic. You can, you, can, you can die on your knees. Ain't going to happen. Because if it was going to happen, God would love to save them. He would save them. But His love has made us free to accept or reject. And so it's not for us. Our duty is to make the road to Christ so slippery. With love and grace and blessings and, and kindness and goodness and, uh, and smooch and uh, everything that we can. Just make that every day go out there and, and rub some soap on the thing. Pour some oil so that when, when your kid just takes a step in there, he goes whoosh, pow, straight into Christ. But you know what we do? We, we start pushing. We get behind we get behind the, the son or the daughter and we start pushing. Say, come on, come on. You need to, come on, you need to change your ways. Come on. You need, and you know what's going to happen. Immediately they're going to put their feet down and going to say, no, -uh. mm -mm, I'm not going that way. And you see, and now either one of them, it's either the humanity of God or the spirituality of God, it's not enough. You need to take the two and put them together and say, I understand you've got a mind of your own. I heard this morning um, there's, a, there's a radio program in America uh, by a guy called Andrew Farley who's, who's, a, who's a professor of linguistics and he's married to a, a, a professor in science and in climate change. So this guy knows everything. And he has this program on, in, in America, uh, United States and Canada. And this guy phoned. And, and the, it's, it's very nice the way that he handles the, the, the questions because it's live. 
It's live on air. And so anything can happen. In fact, I heard someone calling him names and stuff like that. And, you know, so here comes this father and, and he starts so, uh, not religiously, but he starts saying about the, the, his, his children that uh, uh, have grown up in church and they, they've received Christ when they were uh, eight and nine. And, uh, and he carries on and on and on and on. And all of a sudden, he says, uh, and now both of them, one is 23 and one is 29, and both of them have chosen their homosexual life. One of them has just moved in with, uh, with his partner, and the other one is part of a homosexual church where they, where they uh, justify. And for a moment I thought, what are you going to say to a father? And, and this father, very honestly, very sincerely, with a, with a broken voice, he said, he said, Dr. Farley, are they saved? And he said, I don't know. I'm not God. I cannot judge. But I'll tell you one thing. They can be saved and behave like that. Or they can not be saved and behave like that. The behavior doesn't change in nature. See, and religion, this thing over here, the Father, religion will damn them instantly because the behavior goes against the Spirit. But now here Jesus coming and saying, no, 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 wait a minute. Where are those who condemn you? Is there anyone here who condemn you? No, neither do I condemn you. Now go and don't sin again. Don't be stupid. The homosexual lifestyle it doesn't pay. It's not right. It's, it's get out of there. And he, as God, he will try. And but bottom line, he is or he isn't. You don't know. And I wanted to chip in. I wanted to phone him, but then I thought it's going to be a bit too, too expensive. <laughs> I wanted to chip in and say, you know what? What difference are you going to make if you judge them and condemn them and kick them out of the house or kick them out of your heart? What, what are you going to achieve? A big fat zero. If not, a minus. So even, even if they're not saved, even if your heart is in pieces that you have to pick it up with a teaspoon and kind of spit together and put together the pieces so that at least can carry on working. Because I'll tell you something. I, I, I don't, I really don't know, but I mean, we, we are sort of generally speaking, we have, we have good families. But there are families that are destroyed by sickness, by disease, by poverty. There are people that live in motor cars. Uh, they don't have a roof over their heads. There, there, are, there are people... Who was telling me? You, uh, Celia, you were telling me about the, the, those three sons on ticks. On tick. Uh, and, and I mean, there, there are 
And we all know Andre de Villiers, and we all know his story, but with his son, when, when his son was uh, um, so deep into drugs and into gangs, uh, uh, into gangs, that at three o'clock in the morning the phone would ring and Andre would, he had this raucous voice on the other side say, well, you, you know, your son owes me so much money, if you don't pay, we kill him. And Andrew would have to go out and sell this and put a bond on the house and do this and do that to save his son. What do you do? What do you do? And I, I, I always remember the story of Andrew that really touched me the first time I heard it. When his boy was born, Andrew, do you know Andrew the Villiers? The... the, the, the the guy that wrote the song for Ned Bank and Toyota and, uh, and uh, Volkswagen. Volkswagen, yeah. I remember the days of our lives. And uh, so anyway, so when, he, when his boy was born, he wrote a song for his son. And part of, the, part of the lyrics was the phrase, I will always be by your side. And after years and years and years of, of him being an addict and destroying the family, destroying everything, one night when, when the police called him and they told him that they found, they found his, his, his boy uh, OD'd in a, in a public toilet and he went to fetch him, he, he said, that's it, I can't. And he took him to the to the ark. It was like three o'clock in the morning. So he got to the ark. He got to the outside this wall, in the darkness and in the misery of everything that was coming out of that place. And he just broke down and started crying. And he said, "I can't do this." The song played in his head. And he said, no matter what happens, I will always be by your side. And it's not easy. But bottom line, that's a grace. That's grace. And, and, and it's, it's just a case of deciding whether, again, we are part of the Gnostics cult. People that worship knowledge you say no we know that be surprised there's a lot of Christians that worship knowledge they know the Bible they think that's enough they, took, they take knowledge and they turn it into application so spiritual that they hit you with the Bible. You yeah, know yeah. You, there's no grace there. There's no... No. And, and, and all they do, they, they walk away with the blood splatter of the people they just hurt. They're just wound, wounded. And, and, and Jesus' grace 
doesn't tell us to be stupid, doesn't tell us to, but he tells us to love. And so in every situation, we need to weigh the, the, the condition, but we need to understand that it's not all spirit and it's not all flesh. It's a combination of Jesus Christ that comes together into this magnificent human being who can help the drug addict. He can get his addiction away like that. But sometimes he doesn't do it. And so, how do we approach that thing? That's why I say that the only thing is the personal relationship that we have with the God of this book. The one that will tell us, in this situation you do this. In this situation you do that. People ask me sometimes, what about tough love? I say, I don't know. It's, that's between you and God. Sometimes, sometimes tough love works. Sometimes tough love pushes the people even further away. And I don't know. That's why, that's why this is the living Word of God. Living, not, not the dead book. It's not ink and paper. It's living. It needs to, inside here is that light that you need to draw from so that that light will tell you what to do. And it might not be the same thing. In fact, it won't be the same thing that it tells me to do. You know why? Because your past is not my past. Your present circumstances are not my present circumstances. And your future aspirations are not my future aspirations. So how can it tell me the same thing as it tells you? It would be a dead book. It would be a total... But that is... See over here, the Father, the Spirit side. The Spirit side is... This is what the Bible says. This is what you must do. Over here, the Son... In, in inverted commas, he says, nah, man, forget about the Bible, just, just take him to a, take him, you know, lock him up, uh, cold turkey, or, or whatever, or do this, or do that, or do that. But the two of them must come in together. You have this beautiful thing where the spirit joins with the flesh, and he speaks to you, and he says, do this. And suddenly you can go, I'll never forget the time when, when my son ran away. And uh, he, was a, he was a child, man. He was 16, 17. And um, he just ran away. Because uh, his mother caught him in somewhere that he shouldn't have been. So he... He, he reacted. He reacted to her, and uh, when I when I when I heard the commotion, I went down, and uh, Celeste was just about to beat the stuffing out of him, <laughs> and he had, uh, and he had uh, he had his mother's wrists in his hands, and I got down, and I said, uh, just remember one thing. I made you once, I can make you again. I'll kill you now and then I'll make another one of you. <laughs> so let go of your mother. <laughs> and, he, and so he just, he just packed some stuff in a, in a rucksack and he, 
He went out and he slammed the door. And it just so happened that I, I, I was in my, my gown. And so anyway, I rushed outside. And as he was, we were, we were still living in Fukul, up at the top. And he was running away, running that side toward the... And I shouted and I said, Malko, remember, Babo loves you. Malko, remember, Ma Babo loves you. Remember, Babo loves you. In the middle of when I wanted to say, remember, Babo wants to stretch your neck to, to the extreme. Babo wants to kick your backside all the way from here to Hasbai. Babo wants to slap you stupid. Babo wants to take the bottom of the foot over the front of your head. Babo wants to, you know. I shouted, remember, Babo loves you. Because that is grace. Renee, you have no idea. Today we have a beautiful. He's gone through trials, and you have no idea. As like every every other child, but uh, but he's come out resplendent. I'm so proud of my boy, and and uh, and you know why? Because he knows that every time there's a problem. He can turn to Babo. And I'm here. And I mean, I'll slap him if I, if I have to, but he knows that I love him. He knows, he knows that I love him. He knows that I accept him. He knows that he can come to me with anything. And it'll be okay. See? And that's... Can we go to, to Daddy God with the same attitude? Not if you... All spirit and not if you all flesh. You have to take the two together. Otherwise you have a spirit of antichrist that will keep you away from the beauty of a good God. What is that illustration you used to show you blow up or you you spiritual blow up? Ah, yeah, no. The, the, if, yeah. It was if you... If all you have is the Word, and when I talk about the Word, I'm talking about the letter, you dry up. If all you have is the Spirit, you blow up. But if you have a Spirit and the Word, you grow up. See, Let me give you something that I put in every book of mine. Uh, I see four steps success in, 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 in Christianity. Knowledge, understanding, wisdom, and results. Okay? Knowledge, and we've seen now that John is talking to the Gnostics, which are basically the people who worship knowledge. And we, like I said to you, nothing has changed. You still have the humanists today, the scientists that will that deny God because science is their God. Knowledge is their God. So knowledge is what you know. Okay? Knowledge is information. Is what you know. That's in your head. Then it drops into your heart and it becomes revelation. Revelation is what you believe. And it's in your heart. And, it, and it's revelation. But then from there... It needs to become wisdom, which is in your life. And that's application. 
And that's what you do. See, knowledge from your head needs to drop into your heart, revelation, you need to believe it, and then it needs to go out into your hand, and it be, needs to, be, to become application. That's what you do. And that will produce what? Transformation. Which is what you become. Which is what you want. The results. So, if, you start, if all you have is knowledge, you're done. You're cooked. Because it, all you do, uh, King Solomon in the book of Proverbs, it, it, you know the, the, the scripture. He says, much knowledge puffs up. And we know a lot of people. They usually have the, the, the three little letters, R-E-V, in front of the name, or D-O-T-T, or uh, lately in Italy it's uh, fashionable to have the uh, app, Apostle. So they call them app. You, know. you download them from uh, Apple Store. It's like now you give us knowledge about grace, and then it needs to become revelation. Yes. You can't do anything yeah. Yes, yeah. and you know what, Kika? I can't do it for you. That's, that's, that's the beauty of our God. That but he once, says... But once you've got revelation, you, you put it into practice. Yeah. And then, and putting it in practice is not easy. No. Because you change opportunities that God's going to test you. And, and then, then it becomes transformation. Because you know what? You try, and you'll find out that the more you forgive, the easier it becomes. And not necessarily the same person. You do it and 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 you say, will he ever change? But if you do it with the right heart, it, you'll get to the point where you say, which you should have said from the beginning, I take this person and I place him in your hands, Lord. My duty is not to change him. My duty is to love him. And to forgive him, and to be the best wife, the best husband, or the best wa uh, daughter, or the best son, or the best father, or the best mother, that I can be according to your grace. You know what the Bible says? He says, the Bible says, let us forgive one another as God in Christ has forgiven us. Right? Now, if, okay, now I'll pull back to that 1 John 1, 9, and then we close. If that was the case, if we have to be forgiven by God because we confess our sins. In other words, if our forgiveness is conditional upon the confession, right? Which, in the case of Protestantism, shouldn't be like that. But we have taken a little bit of Catholicism and we changed its... Appearance, but it's the same thing. We don't go to a man inside a, a wooden box and we don't say, Father, forgive me for I have sinned. But we go to God and we say, Father, forgive me for I have sinned. It's the same thing. Now, if that was the case, in other words, if God, God's forgiveness was conditional upon our repentance, forgive others, as God in Christ has forgiven you, would mean you mustn't forgive anybody until they repent. 
And that, my boy, you know, is not right. Because then, what is forgiveness? Forgiveness. And that's why, again, there are tons of scriptures that say, for God manifested, manifested, I haven't got the right word anyway. God manifested, proved, anyway, His love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So in other words, we didn't repent before Christ died for us and produced forgiveness. God's forgiveness is not based on our repentance. God's forgiveness is based on our acceptance. You're not innocent because you haven't sinned. You forgive, you're innocent because God forgave you. And the moment you understand that these two concepts, bang, come together and say, yes, there's a spiritual part that God does, but there's also a human part that I have to do. I have to accept what He's done. Which is exactly Ephesians 2.8 when He says we are saved by grace through faith. Grace is what God does. That's what the Spirit does. Faith is what the, the, the flesh does. Flesh is, you have to accept what He has done. Otherwise, it doesn't work. Like Kika was saying, you know, it's in your head. It drops to your heart. You believe it. And I cannot do it for you. I can only throw out stuff. And then you can sit there and look at me and smile and say, you talking a lot of bunk. And I wouldn't know if that's going around in your head. I hope it's not. But if it does, there's nothing I can do about that. But if it goes in there and it produces something and suddenly kawak, it drops in your heart and you believe it and you say, well, you know what? Mario shouts a lot, but hey, it makes a bit of sense. Yeah, The scripture does say that we ought to forgive one another as God in Christ forgave us. So if He waits for our repentance to forgive us, then maybe I must, I I'm not going to forgive anybody until they come and say sorry. And that we know is not right. So, the moment it drops into your heart and you believe it, now is that enough? No, it's not, it's not enough. I'll give you an example. You're dying in the middle of a desert. And you drop on the sand and someone says to you there's an underground river but you've got to dig three feet of sand to get to the water your salvation is there are you saved? no what must you do? you got the knowledge someone told you Okay. you must trust them enough to believe what they say. Then you must take that information. Put it into practice. And start digging. And only then. Will you reach the water. And the water will save you. And that is. The simplicity of the gospel. The water is running. Everywhere around us. All we have to do. Is receive it. And say yes. Here I am. I, I hear it, I, I know it. That's why Paul in, in Romans 10 he says, How can they believe if they don't if there's no preacher, if nobody preaches? Why? Because you need the knowledge to do the believing. But then after having done the believing, it's not enough because he says, 
now salvation, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So you hear, you believe, now you call. And then you say. The truth, the way, and the life. It's, and amazing enough, Sam, that you mentioned that, because traditionally, remember that when Jesus said that, he said, "I nobody goes to the Father save through me. I'm the way, the truth. I'm, I'm, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody goes to the Father save through me." It's amazing that traditionally the Jews called the three gates to the most holy place, to the presence of God in the tabernacle of Moses, the way, the truth, and the life. So Jesus spoke to the, to the Jews and he said, I am the first gate, the second gate, and the third gate. Nobody goes to the Father but through me. How do you live out the fruit of the Spirit? By being the tree that carries the fruit of the Spirit. See, a lot of, a, a lot of people say that uh, you have to produce the fruit. You, you, mu you, must, uh, you must stop doing this and stop doing that and stuff. But it comes naturally because that is the tree. That's why, that's why Paul in the book of Galatians, in Galatians 5, Paul doesn't say, uh, stop doing the work of the flesh and then you will walk in the Spirit. No, he says, walk in the Spirit, and you will not do the works of the flesh. So, allow your nature, allow the Christ in you, allow that combination of the Father and the Son that's inside of you, in what? In, it's like a divine triangle. Father, Son, Spirit. And Jesus said, it is, it is uh, good that I go away, because if I don't go away, the Spirit will not come. So, the Father cannot come. Because the Father is in heaven. The Father, nobody's ever seen this. Jesus has now seated at the right hand of the Father. And he says, I will send the Comforter. So all of a sudden, you have, what do you have? The Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And you have this divine triangle, the ultimate trinity, that is in, in co connected one with the other. And you hear the voice. And Jesus said, when the, when the, when the Comforter will come, he will tell you everything. He will remind you of the things I've said. What? He will turn on the light. Amen. I'm, I'm preaching, preached out. But I just, guys, uh, please forgive me, but sometimes I just go out and say things. I just hope I make sense. Because if I don't, you need to stop me and say, I didn't understand that. Can you please say it again? Because I, I really, sometimes I don't even understand myself. <laughs> Some, sometimes, sometimes I say things and I say, that sounded very good, but where, where did you pull that out of? We, 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 put, we put faith in a machine, and then we need to turn the knobs, and we need to hear this thing going, ooh, you haven't got enough faith, ooh. And I pray and fast and, uh, and turn all the knobs and pull all the levers and uh, okay you got the you reached the now let's pray now 
and it's me moving up. And it's me pulling the glory out of heaven and saying, this person got healed because I believed, because I prayed, because I... The, uh, and even subconsciously, we do it. And every church preaches that. You need to believe. You need to believe. If you don't believe, you need to behave. If, you have, if something is going wrong, wrong in your life because they sin, unconfessed sin, somewhere along the line, I'm always in the way. It's I, 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 I. And boy, if you want to know about I, go and look at the, 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 seventh, the, the 14th chapter of Ezekiel, the 7th chapter in when he, when he speaks about uh, uh, Lucifer, the, 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 the archangel that fell from heaven. And he said, I will exalt myself yeah. above. The, I will be. And it's always I. The middle word of the word pride is I. The middle letter is I. I is the one thing that will kill you because I is the one that pulls the glory from heaven and puts it here. And God says, uh-uh. it doesn't work like that. Even though, even though God will even bypass your pride and your sin and everything in order to love you, in order to bless you, but your pride will stop God from working because we'll say, if I don't do it, it's not going to happen. And so I need to put in more prayer, I need to put in more tithing, I need to put in more this, I need to put... Instead of relaxing and, and doing all the praying that you want to do, and all the, all the fasting that you want to do, and all the, but with the understanding that, be still, and know that I'm God. Doesn't that put completion to Jesus Christ, the anointed one? Sorry, Greg? Doesn't that put, what's been going around in my spirit, as you've been talking, is that Jesus the Christ, the anointed one, that to me gives completion. Yes. It's, see, anointed, the word anointing in the Greek is the word kirio, from where you get the word Christ. And so Jesus Christ is Yeshua, the anointed one. And the anointing is nothing more than the presence of the Spirit of God. That's why he said that when I'm going away, I have to go away. Because if I don't go away, I can't leave. And that's why John said, yeah, he said, you don't need anybody to teach you. You've got the anointing. And that word anointing is the word Christ. You've got His divinity that's left behind in your humanity. And the two of you can do anything. Through what? Through Christ. Through the anointing who strengthens you. And if you understand that there's this beautiful combination of humanity and divinity. He's not just divinity and He's not just humanity. That, that, that is the mistake that all religions make. They will put Jesus into the, 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 the far away, unreachable uh, spheres of uh, heavenly uh, stars and everything. Or they will put him as, as, as a good teacher. He's a good teacher. He you know, was a good man. But Jesus didn't do that. He, he said, I am. That's not in that I am the one that was in the Old Testament. I am now and I will be forever. And I will be. I am the one who puts everything together. Drops the spirit into your heart. And now you are too. You know what I was. 
You know, and I sit with the Bible and I'm trying to, you know, you, you've got a problem or you're feeling something needs to change inside of yourself. And you sit with the Bible and you're trying to find an answer, trying to find a word from God. But when I was sitting the other day and I was thinking, I'm really listening, taking in sort of what you're saying. And if I look back on my life, everything that God has changed in my life or that has changed, I actually did nothing. Absolutely <laughs> nothing. And I mean, you actually have to remember that. Really think about that and remember, why am I trying to change that? I mean, just let God do it. You know? yeah. But it goes against our nature, Michelle. Yes. Yeah. It goes against yeah. our nature because we want to do something. That's why the message of grace is so difficult for people yeah. to swallow. Because you, it can't be that good. I've got to do something. I've got to behave. I've got to deserve it. I've got to do something. And all I'm saying is this. Either behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He has forgiven us of all our trespasses. With one sacrifice, He has made us perfect and accepted in the Beloved. And we are now forgiven. And our sins... I will remember no more. Either that is, and all I need is that. I mean, there's tons and tons and tons of others. But either if I take that, Jesus on the cross, it is finished. Mm. Now, if, if all I have is that, it is finished. It's enough. It's enough because I can now receive what is finished. It's so free. It is. Well, <laughs> you know, baseball bat. Change, change. <laughs> because it's so free. It's and it's also one thing. One thing that we must understand is also that uh, we, we um, all of a sudden we're not better than anybody no, else. Yeah. It's just that in his in his in his grace, in his, he has released. He has put us in a situation where we we able to hear that and receive it. And retain it. And look, I, I'll give you an example. You can see that we started, there were many more. Okay. Now, I don't know if maybe they, they're not feeling well, or maybe they, they have uh, engagements, or maybe... But if I know my chicken, I know that something just didn't click. Something just... It was too out there. It's too easy. It's too easy, but it's, yeah, it's, it's, no, Michelle, think about it, we've, we've, we spent years and years and years and years and years of being bombarded with the fact, you must deserve it, you must do it, you must ask forgiveness, you must, do everything is you must do, you must do, you must do, you must do, now all of a sudden you show up here and Mario says, no, you mustn't do nothing, it's finished. I just like your opinion on this lady. But that, like, like I said, that is the heart of grace. That is the heart of grace because be still speaks of trust. Think, okay guys, you must just press the button, stop whenever you want, okay? But think about a, a very typical example, Rahab, okay? Rahab was a prostitute, okay? In the Old Testament, okay? Book of Joshua. Israel has arrived to the Jordan. They finally managed to come across. And they find themselves face to face with this giant thing called Jericho. Jericho, a million people. The walls that surround the city are so thick that you can actually race 
chariots on top of them. There are houses built inside the walls. Jericho is a untouchable fortress, unbreakable. Joshua goes to God, and God uh, and God says, uh, "Well, actually, God comes to Joshua, and he appears as Jesus Christ, the 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 leader of the armies of God." And um, and Joshua says, he looks at him and he says, "Are you for us or against us?" And and he looks at him and 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 I know he's giggling, and he says. You don't get it. I'm not for you or against you. But as the leader of the armies of God, let me tell you what you are and what you must do. So he says, get all your people, and we know the story, go around uh, seven times, and the seventh, the seventh day, shout, and the walls will come down. Now, I've always, when I get to heaven, I have to, see the video of this because I'm going to ask Peter to show me the, the video you need, to, you, need to, you need to see this like two good soldiers on leave from the army the first thing they do they get into Jericho and they go looking for a prostitute okay? these, these are two kids that have been in the desert with Ma and Auntie and, and, uh, and, and all their families around them and I mean Tents don't uh, carry, they carry the sun very, very, so they, you've got to watch it. So they've been, they've been kind of, uh, uh, interestingly, uh, in, uh, inactive for a long time. So they get to Jericho, they have to go and spy the land, so they get inside, they, they mix with all the merchants and people and, and buyers and sellers that walk through the gates and they walk into the, the, the place, and the first thing they go, where is the prostitute? And they say, over there, her name is Rahab. So off they go to her, they have an interesting Bible study with her, and then uh, uh, eventually she recognizes that they are Jews, and she says to them, she I says... I wonder how she knew that. Yeah, that's... Uh, <laughs> now that's revelation. <laughs> Now that's revelation if I've ever heard anything. Wow, Greg, thank you. There, beautiful. Okay. Okay, get, get the picture out of your head. Back to the anointing. So, so she says, uh, okay, you guys, uh, we've heard of you. And we're terrified. We're terrified because we heard of what your God has done to the Egyptians. And it's done every time you have an enemy, your God intervenes and kills everybody. So we're terrified of you. In the meantime, we remember in the desert, they were terrified of them. Yeah? They said, we are like grasshoppers in their sight. In the meantime, they thought they were nothing in front of the God of Israel. But anyway, that's for another story. So, she says, uh, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you. Because they, they're already looking for you. They know that, that there's two spies in town. For some reason, someone recognized you, or someone saw you, or someone heard you, or whatever it is, and they know you're here. So I'm going to let you down through the window, and I'm going to let you down outside 
But in the meantime, go upstairs and hide under this pile of ropes. She, she was um, uh, also a maker of ropes. So they go, they go and hide there, and the guards come, and they say, we know there's two spies from Israel here. And she says, no, I don't know. No, no they were here, but they left. In fact, if you hurry, you can find them. And off they go. So she goes upstairs and she says, okay, now, I want you to promise me. Then I know you're going to come and you're going you're to take the, the city. I want you to promise me that me and my family are going to be protected from your God. And they say, the only way that you can be protected is if you stay inside your house. And you hang... And, and, the, and the word in the Hebrew is very interesting because it's a thread. It's not a rope. It's a thread. A red thread from your window. Now, if the walls are high enough and thick enough for chariots, for houses to be built in and chariots to run, a little thread, it's hard to see. But you see, a red thread speaks of the blood of Christ. It's a shadow of the blood of Christ, and God will see it, no matter where it is. Even in the house of a prostitute, God will see the blood of Christ. And so she says, okay, I'll do that. Now, I, I want you to understand that she's got this little piece of string hanging outside, and all of a sudden, here comes Israel, and they start shouting, and they start, and all of a sudden, Everything starts shaking. And she must stay inside. And grandpa is saying, Are you sure that they... <laughs> did they really tell you that we must stay inside? Because it, everything is coming down here. <laughs> I think we should go, baby. She said, No, grandpa, shut up, sit down. Just watch TV that we're staying here. And, and then everybody said, No, yes, everything is shaking. Can you understand Everything is shaking. And she... Be still. And know that I'm God. It's not when everything is still that you be still. It's when everything is shaking that you be still. And you trust that little piece of rope, string, that's outside your window. And you trust that God will identify you and know where you are and come visit you. And everything came down and Rahab was spared and her family because she was still and knew that He is God. Amen. Father, we thank You for a night of joy around Your Word and a night where we felt Your heart beat with pride because we are digging and we are trying to search and, and, and look for and discover and enjoy every little nugget and every little beautiful spark of revelation that we can find. And we thank you for it. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being the anointed one who lives inside of us. And I ask you to, even now, I'm asking you to turn on the light for all my friends, so that it will never be the same again every time they look at the Bible. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.